Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we bring you insights into film, television, online and so much more. This week we're going to be talking about motion, narrative, music video, cinematography and even a bit of wrestling. I'm proud to say thank you so much, Paul Robinson, for joining the show today. Happy to be on. Thank you for having me. We've connected online um, and been chatting a little bit back and forth, and I said I'd love to have people who are in the industry and active in the social media contact me and be on the show. And chatting with you, you, you said one of the best lines I've ever heard uh, I'm not sure if you want me on, but um, I work at WWE. And I was like, yep. uh, yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> so how long, have you, how long have you been working at WWE for now? I'm just starting my fifth year there. Wow. Yeah, that, been that's there a for a while. It's the longest, longest run, yeah. Yeah. So, so when I was a little boy, it was WWF. But yes. now it's World Wrestling Entertainment? Yep. So WWF uh, way back, uh, you had the the big legends like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant and Hacksaw and Rodney Rick. Rick. I was I was a bit of a fanboy back in the day. Sure, I think everybody was back in those days. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm I'm like looking at what WWE has become, and it's a monstrous identity with so many brands oh, yeah. within it. For those who um, might not be familiar with what content. Um, World Wrestling Entertainment is producing. Do you mind sort of giving a bit of an overview of the organization? Sure, sure. I, um, we're actually lucky enough that we don't ever really go out of house for anything. Um, all of our pay per view packages and uh, you know all of our promo packages and everything we all we design and build all that in house. Um, so you can imagine it's quite an undertaking uh, because now with the network, there's just so much content that we have to fill up you know um there's just hours and hours and hours of content on the network and then we have the two live shows every week plus every three weeks or so we have a pay-per-view and then there's nxt stuff that's live so there's there's a lot of work (laughs) and it and it looks like every um different show and has its own brand identity literally like the sub tv shows with their own look and feel for all the graphics Yep, absolutely. So I was looking at some which were Raw and SmackDown Live and NXT and Clash of the Champions and and thinking that these are constantly ongoing identities. What's the workflow look for for you guys who are creating all the motion graphics? What's an average month or um, life of a project? Um, Well, obviously it depends on the project, but the bigger projects, the uh, WrestleManias, Royal Rumbles, um, those things have a bit more of a lifespan. So, you know, it starts with a conceptual stage and then we brainstorm, uh, what kind of look we're going to go for. And we usually will come up with two or three, um, and then we'll mood board it out and, um, you know, rough up some frames and some ideas and just get that in front of, uh, the producers and kind of go from there. So then we start once a look gets approved, then we kind of start to uh, 
dive a little deeper into that aesthetic. You know, if, if it's WrestleMania, which we have coming up and it's a New Orleans, so what do we want to do with that exactly? So we want to kind of, do we take elements of New Orleans or do we want it to be more of a focus on WrestleMania and what that event means and, and that sort of thing. So um, once we get that developed, then um, there's actually a, a 2D department and a 3D department, but the lines are very blurred. You know, uh, we're both helping each other out a lot. 2D people do 3D stuff. It's just kind of a moniker at this point. Um, and what we'll do is one of the first things we'll build up is a matchup graphic. So we want to see how we're housing the match, the talent and what the aesthetic of what we've already, you know, because we could design really nice looking frames. But how is this going to help sell the talent, sell the pay-per-view itself? So then the next step is to take that aesthetic that we've established and, and see how that works with uh, representing our talent. Yeah. And then everything from there, once we have that housing and we have that aesthetic built, then building like transitions and lower thirds and all that sort of stuff just kind of starts to come a little little easier. And now that you've, um, as an organization, gone through so many different products that you've built out, is, is it really clear what all of the different elements are? And there's a bit of a, you know, known quantities of we need the lower thirds, the intros, the outros, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, there are shows that require more than others, obviously. You know, um, there is definitely a, a, a standard, you know, lower thirds, tag pages, um, transitions, uh, snipes, all that, so all those sort of things are pretty standard across the board. But then you have other things that need like little locators or, you know, a certain a specific type of transition or or that sort of stuff. Yeah, as well. And um, being pay per view, have you? Is there a huge transition that you've seen over your time there from live broadcast? Well, broadcast. I'm not sure how much of it was live, really, as versus pre-recorded to being more online and that focus of being online content yeah um our bread and butter is still the live shows you know the raw smackdown which are both live the pay-per-views which are live as well um and we're building up trying to build up our library of stuff that's on the network uh, i think a lot of the uh I, I, can, I certainly can't speak for everybody i think but i think a lot of the the live stuff is what uh, most people kind of you know come to wrestling to watch you know yeah. the, the shows are great but i think they're just in addition to what's happening on raw and smackdown and the pay-per-views yeah okay cool but, but but we're building out quite a library you know we're always looking for new shows we're always testing new things out it's the beauty of having the network right is we yeah. can try the show if it doesn't work let's try this show it's quite nice um you know having the network but you know having that niche you know, it's got a, mm -hmm. a focus that everybody understands and can develop and iterate. And I'm just thinking, does that allow you to sort of look at different styles and techniques in the motion design world and go, I really want to bring this into some future projects and find the right one, the right fit for a look? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I, I thought that going into it, I'm like, great, I'm going to be making explosions in steel for the rest of my life. But actually... Um, if you look through the network, there's quite a diverse uh, aesthetic that they have. You know, there's always there is a, a consistent branding, especially with the bigger stuff. But I think WWE has really opened up lately in regards to, uh, you know, you know, fresher looking ideas and fresher looking show packages and that sort of thing. So it's one of the things that really kept me there is the 
the the creative autonomy that we get there, they have a lot of respect for us and they and they look to us to drive that part of the show and everything. You know, I mean, they have, you know, obviously final say, you know, nothing's going to I'm not just going to make something and put it right out there, obviously. But, um, you know, they they have been much more open lately in, in regards to changing up their aesthetic and trying things that they would never try before. Yeah. Seen a lot of um, 2D styled um, frame by frame animation coming into a lot of advertising around sport um, yep. with a very flat 2D but organic kind of hand drawn feel. Have you seen mm-hmm. that sort of starting to seep into the work as well? Um, honestly, not yet. No, I mean, we have some stuff where we've done not that specific style you're talking about, but yeah. I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always interested to see um, the influences of where where influence comes from because I can see it very much in fashion and uh, photography going into mm-hmm. f- cinematography and motion. And yeah, always always interested to see w- where it's at because um, yeah, with with creators that I I, I know around um, New Zealand and Australia, they'll very much be referencing work that is inspirational to them. So are mm-hmm. you sort of showing work as an idea of what's been done before when you're presenting or is it really just the style frames? No, absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely stuff that, you know, the the, the great thing about our department is that a lot, I'd say pretty much everybody there is really into what we do. Yeah. You know, no one's in there just to kind of collect a paycheck, you know. So we're constantly showing each other interesting things like the Muse, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen that Muse opening. You know, when stuff like that comes along, we see that sort of stuff and get inspired. And um, and then we, you know, we share it around. We share it with our managers. We share it with other people. And, and so there's a real, like, open communication of new ideas, like, as soon as they hit, you know. So we don't have to necessarily say, oh, you see this thing? I want to do something like that. We can always, you know, they they'll those references will be fresh in their mind so when we're coming up with mood boards or something we can reference that and they'll know exactly what we're talking about and how we might want to take that technique or that aesthetic and kind of mold it to fit what we're trying to do yeah the the um you're talking about muse which is um i don't know if it's it's a tv or movie i'm not 100 percent sure i don't don't know honestly yeah, um, some beautiful I, don't know, I saw the thing and I was, I was blown away by it and I was like, I don't even need to see this show anymore. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> it's beautiful. I just watched that 10 times. Yeah, it's stunning yeah. work. That's that's enough show I need right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, uh, yeah, there's um, a lot of GPU rendering 3D coming through. And so mm-hmm. what are the tools that you in the 3D side of it, but also um, with 2D and comp, what are the tools that you're using internally? Sure. Um, well, us in, in, in 2D, we, we, we're with, we use primarily Cinema, Cinema 4D. Um, and... You know, uh, the 3D 3D department uses uses Maya, mm-hmm. uh, but we're you know we're building a lot of 3D stuff as well. Um, they're doing the heavy lifting, obviously, but um, we're supplementing that with stuff from cinema. And um, you know, we haven't we're in the process of hopefully moving to Octane or Redshift or something like that. Um, yeah. So for now, it's still just the uh, the standard renderer. I think we were using Cycles for a while. Um, we have a lot of other tools, X particles and that sort of stuff that we use as well. So we're, we do have a render farm. So the beauty of it is that we don't have, you know, Octane or Redshift or something, but we do have the benefit of 
building out something in physical render and then just shift, you know, shoving it off to the farm and then we're good to go. So render times aren't too big of a problem for cool. us, which is really nice. Yeah, uh, I, I, physical and standard are still great renderers. Uh, yeah, you can get. The, the, I mean, the biggest knock against them is is the time thing. So with the yeah. render farm, it kind of counteracts that. Yeah. You know, having said that, of course, if we had a render farm with Octane, then you know, it's even faster. I use Octane at home, so um, just because you know I need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's beautiful. Yeah, we tried to have build our own net, um, render farm at work for mm-hmm. physical and standard, but it just wasn't very cost effective. And that's when mm-hmm. we looked at cloud rendering with Rebus and um, Pixel Plow and all those. It just mm-hmm. meant when there was a job because um, we have such a variety of different projects that we work on that the 3D would come in as a big project. So we go, okay, well, we've got budget for rendering in the cloud mm-hmm. and we can push it and utilize that speed. Now we're moving to Redshift and it's that same thing again of starting to look at uh, Team Render with uh, four, mm-hmm. four PCs with a couple of 1080s each. And mm-hmm. just the frustration of that that network team rendering just not being as solid as I'd like it to be every time. And mm-hmm. then the um, Pixel Plow, which is in the cloud and does GPU rendering as well for Redshift, it's just that frustration of um, the upload and download speeds of the files. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So it's like it's you're always looking for the perfect solution, and um, I think what you're doing is great, is because you need to know that when you do implement GPU rendering, you've got a solid render solution as well. So do you think that you'd end up looking at a team render with GPUs if you did go to Redshift or Octane? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't know the um, the you know the engineering side of it. We have a whole team for that to implement. Like if if we went to uh, I think currently we're kind of looking at Octane. I know we have at least 10 cards on the farm and we mm-hmm. have like maybe 30 nodes. So um, I don't know. Honestly, don't know how that how that would be set up. Yeah. Um, at home, though, I have, you know, just a couple cards in my Mac. And, um, you know, once I eventually switch over to PC, like the rest of the world, I'm going to, uh, you know, just get a motherboard that can fit the most cards and yeah. call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So you came to Motion Graphics a little bit later, you were saying on, uh, to yeah. me online, at 30. Um, before mm-hmm. that, you had been, you had a filmmaking background. Do, Correct, yeah. Do you mind sort of um, sharing your back career, but also that transition for you from filmmaking into motion? Sure. I mean, the transition was one of necessity. You know, um, I started off, you know, making films with my friends, that whole, you know, like everyone else does. But then it kind of just progressed and the film started to get a little bit better. And, you know, I, I couldn't, you know, I lived in a small town, so I, right, so I couldn't afford somebody to um, edit them or do any visual effects that I wanted to do. Um, so then I joined the uh, Video Copilot School of Motion Graphics and learned how to do everything that I could do, uh, on my own. Cause I, I had to, and if I needed a website, I had to build it myself. And then that just kind of started morphing into, you know, visual, you know, doing cheesy VFX, just kind of morphing into like doing interesting, uh, motion graphics. And then, um, started, you know, doing that people were taking notice and then small company, small local companies would want me to 
build an animation for them or design something for them. And, and I was like, oh, wow, I can, I can make some money doing this. And then, um, you know, that the rest is history, as they say, I guess. So being forced to be a jack of all trades yeah. got you noticed for something that you hadn't planned to, to basically project as your career. And then you took it from there. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, ne- I never would have guessed to uh, that I would be. I always assumed that I would just be making films, and I still love films. Don't get me wrong; I still make them. Yeah, you know, um, I'm editing one now of ours, but motion graphics. There's just, you know, it's just something where you can just sit in a room and make your art. You know, yeah, films are are a great creative release as well, but that's more of like a a team thing. You know, yeah, uh, working with my wife, who's a writer, and and uh, a wonderful bunch of actors that we work with is is awesome but they're two different kind of things you know so i have my creative outlet there and then i have my creative outlet when i can just sit and make something as well yeah you've got a lot of narrative video um background but you've also done um, music videos as well mm-hmm. and yep. one one that sort of shocked me when i was watching it was the um hollow bones yeah <laughs> i wasn't sort of expecting um this that video to play out the way it did and um yeah so in that video it's um hollow bones um basically a hardcore band melodic hardcore band is that sort yep. of how you define that group yeah that's how i would yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and um sorry what's the name of that music video um, well, we actually did two. We did one for Balance and, and Collapse. Um, yeah. Balance was the one that came out first, and then Collapse came out second. And it's kind of like a two-song narrative right. that deals with uh, mental illness and, and not only the person that has mental illness struggling with it, but then the person that's in love with that person yeah. and how it affects both people. So it's a, it's a pretty heavy subject matter, and we worked pretty close with them because it was really important for both of us that the message is you know, not just – you know, oh, look, he's doing something, you know, yeah, you know, that's dark just for the sake of it. There's actually there's actual message and meaning to it. And, and it, you know, it means I know it means a lot to them and it means a lot to us as well. Yeah. So the the band um, mental illness is something that's affected them directly or um, those that they're close to. Yeah, it's affected them and as well as uh, people that they're close to as well. Yeah. It's such an important subject to uh, discuss and talk about. Um, it really is. Really, really is. As as of a, no. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no, no. Um, basically, as of the date of this recording, there is an episode um, that hasn't released, which is with Eric Thirteen, and he's a um, director, and he's uh, done a horror film that basically the horror is um, someone's own mental health issues. And so, yeah. yeah. So you'll, you'll hear that episode coming out in a couple of weeks. Sorry, we do a lot of pre-recording, so it's hard (laughs) when you haven't heard that interview yet. But in that podcast, I talk about the fact that um, mental health has been a really big part of the agency I work with, um, a long-term project of making mental health a topic that is okay to discuss and then right. to reach out for help when you need it. Mm-hmm. So it's one that's I very close this, to me. Yeah. I think there's this huge kind of social stigma Yeah, that, you know, if you're, you're, you know, seen as weak or, 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 you know, something or, or even the people, you know, struggling and they're afraid to come 
come up, you know, ask for help. And, you know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a shame, you know, and I feel like people really need to, like we, as, I mean, this gets a bigger discussion, but we as a society need to make sure that these people know it's okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, we do. And in New Zealand, I think that we're really lucky because of the campaigns, which um, feature a very famous uh, all black John Kerwin. Um, and the messaging is, um, um, it it's not weak. Um, you know, you don't have to harden up about it. It's okay mm-hmm. to discuss it and to reach out for help and that there is hope. So yeah, some really important messages there that don't happen overnight. They take a long time in New Zealand. It's taken 10 years to have that message just part of our culture where we don't look down on those who are suffering from mental illness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and here in America, I mean, you can form your own opinion. I love America, but uh, we have quite a ways to go with some of that stuff. <laughs> I think um, every country has its own challenges and developments. And I, I think that as long as a global community we're moving forward um it can feel very slow at times but mm-hmm. yeah try and hope for the best that we all get a little bit more aware of everybody um so when you were in your fledging years as a filmmaker <laughs> where were you based and what was your uh, reasons for going into filmmaking at the very start um well actually it's uh... I'll try to keep it short, but um, I was I was I, li- I at the time and I still do lived about uh, maybe like an hour and a half north of New York City, um, and as you leave New York City, you can start getting into the suburbs pretty quickly. So um, up near me, there wasn't uh, you know there wasn't a lot to do, and I actually wanted to. I was very active. I loved to run around and jump off things and do backflips off stuff and everything. So I actually wanted to be a stuntman, and. Um, uh, I had a friend who had an who whose uncle I think he was was actually a stuntman in Hollywood and he did like I don't know if you remember that movie uh, Loaded Weapon One it was like a I do yeah uh, yeah so he did some stunts in that movie and then I met with him and talked with him and I was like all right I'm moving out to California I'm going to do this and I moved out to California but uh, I ended up really starting to take uh, a liking to acting um, more so than being a stuntman. And um, then when I moved back here, you know, so I spent three or four years out in L.A. chasing the acting dream. And then I moved back here and I was like, well, there's nothing for me here. So I have to make my own movies. Um, And then that's kind of how it parlayed into making movies, which then parlayed into motion graphics. Nice. Looping back around to uh, WWE and the teams that you work in, what Mm -hmm. sort of teams and the number of people are within those different teams as well? going into like producers and everybody involved in the process of making the content surrounding the live shows and things. Um, what about them? Like how, what are the different teams and how many people within them just to get a sense oh. of the scale? Oh, of oh it. gotcha. 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 Yeah. We have, um, about, I'd say about 12 to 13 of us in 2d. We have freelancers, you know, full freelancers that'll come with us for like a month or two or three. Yeah. Some will stay, some won't, you know, they, you know, we'll book them for a certain amount of time and then, you know, they'll either, you know, stay or they won't, you know. Um, and then in 3D, we have about maybe eight or nine people up there. And then, so in 2D, which is my department, uh, we have, let's see, three teams, 
and then in 2D, I think there's like two teams. And then there's a couple of people that do like virtual set stuff and, and that sort of thing. So they're kind of their own thing. But then they also work within a team as well. And um, So not a huge group, but um, but a good size, I think. Yeah, definitely. And is that counting producers or are they just considered a no, different producers part? Are, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a whole different thing because producers will come in, you know, we'll either get you know, they also have to see editors and this, you know, mix sound, yeah. and, you know, work with audio and, and that sort of thing. So the producers are running all over the place. But they're the people that are, um, you are working with closely or are you working with directors closely? Who, who are the other others within the organization? Mainly we work with the producers. Yeah. Uh, nine times out of ten work with the producers. Sometimes we'll work with... Um, you know, a, a, you know. I one example is I went out and did a shoot um, with Alexa Bliss, and we did some green screen stuff. So in that case, I had to work with talent and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, which doesn't happen often. And sometimes we'll send people out to WrestleMania or, or to specific pay per views, so they'll work on site. So they'll start working with other people as well. But nine times out of ten, it's a producer that'll come in, even if it's for a pay per view, and they'll work with you in regards to what their directive is. Uh, kind of look they're going for and you know you work with them to kind of hammer out what exactly they're going to need from us graphics wise yeah yeah with you've got a reasonable team over 2d and 3d is there opportunities for those who don't have the same uh, like a lot of experience like new graduates or even interns are there any opportunities in that space oh absolutely because we have um you know we have levels right so there's not just like you're not an art, you know, there's, you know, junior artists, senior artists, you know, motion graphics one, two, that sort of thing. And um, so, you know, depending on our needs and, and you know, the budgets and stuff, it depends on, you know, if we, we've brought people in as senior artists, we've brought people in as junior artists. Um, so there's and there's definitely room to grow and everyone there, like, I can honestly say that everybody there is like so helping, you know, like we help each other all the time. Nobody's like trying to keep little secrets to themselves or anything like that. You know, we, um, it's very communal, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, it's a great place. I mean, I don't say it cause I work there, but it's a great place to, to work. Cause I, you know, it's why I've been there for almost five years. It's so good to hear. I really, really do think that that's a reflection of the industry really from what I've yeah. seen majority is that we're all in it together and it's not a i'm going to hold back so that you don't get ahead of me it's it's supporting each other because it is such a tight niche yeah yeah and our in and um to the credit of my managers i think what's really important to them is that they would bring people in that are obviously talented you know talent gets you through the door right but then you know how are you going to click with everyone else there i mean we probably spend more time with each other than our wives or our husbands right so it's really important that we have to get along yeah. and that everybody, you know, there's no like egos or anything like that. And, you know, so it's just a really, really um, chill, like work environment. That's awesome. And like yeah. you said, it's just, that's kind of how our industry is, right? That's, it's one of the reasons that I love it so much. It's just like, you know, I'm sure you have your, your bad apples here and there, but for the most part, this community is so welcoming and so helping. And I, I, I just love to be a part of it. Yeah. I, I completely agree with you. That's really, really bang on, in my opinion. And now it's time for the Pro Video Picks. Okay, every week we have the Pro Video Picks, Paul. And mm -hmm. this is an opportunity to share some some golden nugget, nuggets of uh, information <laughs> with the 
with everybody else out there. So, what would be your pro video pick? Um, I mean, this is going to just sound really typical, but lately it's been Octane. Sweet. I've been, um, I bought it a while ago, and uh, you know, I've played with it here and there, but I don't have it at work, so I don't use it day to day, but I just, you know, just got brought onto another side project uh, that I'm doing, and I'm primarily using Octane in it, and for the past, I don't know, God, it's been like three weeks now, I've been working in Octane every day, and uh, just, you know, learning all the ins and outs of it, and it's just... It's amazing. I love. It. I'm sure I'll love Redshift too when I start playing with that. You know, because I just love trying new things. But right now, it's definitely Octane. Yeah, Octane's awesome. Um, and the listeners will be well versed in hearing about me say how amazing Brograph is. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that yeah, you're a listener of that. Yeah. Yeah, I love those guys. I, I got a chance to meet and hang out with them a little bit, and when they were in NAB New York, which was really fun. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, actually, you know the um the show. One of the shirts, the Gate and D Simone shirt. It's funny because that um, that guy Gaten used to sit right next to me at work. Right. What's um, that shirt? Now, yeah, this one. Oh, you can't oh, see it. But uh, sweet. Wearing it, um, but he, uh, you know, he designed the shirt for them, and uh, you know, him and I have been huge fans from the beginning of Brograph. So it was cool to, to kind of for him to be involved in that. Nice. I was listening to last week's episode and they had a little, they were talking a bit about the Pro Video podcast and that if you search for Brograph in iTunes or the um, podcast app, there's two results. One is Brograph and the other is Pro Video podcast. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. <laughs> so, That's another. Oh, yeah. You had David Arya on. That was a good, that was a great episode. I love listening to that guy talk. Yeah. Yeah. He's awesome. They're all awesome. The whole community yeah. is awesome, really, when it comes down to it. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Um, my pro video pick this week is Postbox for Windows. So, um, having moved over to PCs this year and, um, looking for apps that I like to use for various things, I used to use Postbox on the Mac and it's literally just for email, but it's really nice. And it's amazing how, when you find a tool for something that you do so much as, as email, that it feels like you're not, you're not wading through mud and i found you know on a pc the the email apps were okay but um my recommendation this week is postbox for windows okay so inspirational video if you had to pick a video it could be a tv show a movie or an online piece of content what would you pick paul um i'd have to go with that muse opening i referenced earlier sweet just because it's fresh in my mind it's just so beautiful yeah, it's really quite epic and there's just this top end of title work that's coming out that's mm-hmm. just so stunning. Yeah, it's so yeah, it's that's a great space right now, like yeah. show openings and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like how good um long form T V shows are and just owning that space of entertainment where, you know, ten years ago it was all about movies. T V yeah. is really where it's at. Yeah, now it's like if you you made it if you did a, a great show open. <laughs> yeah, totally. My inspirational video is the Off London titles. Um, good friend of mine, Adrian's been posting on Instagram some style frames, uh, some frames from that, and um, he's working at Future Deluxe who did the titles. Just stunning work. There's a lot of particles um, in this piece, but the 3D characters, you know, they they're getting to this point where that is so realistic 
Um, yeah. The skin textures, it's just, it's astounding how good they are. You know, the uncanny valleys, it's, we're definitely climbing out of that place. Yeah, and fast. Yeah, very fast. So, yeah, that's definitely my inspirational pick uh, video for this week. And who are you following online, Paul? Well, yourself, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and um, thanks for all the <laughs> likes, man. You're awesome at yeah. liking. Thank you. Yeah, I got to harass people with kindness. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, the, the usual suspects, Brograph's great, David Ariev, um, Nick Campbell, all those guys. Yeah. I, I love following all those guys. Um, yep. Jay is another good one. They're just putting out so much stuff, content, um, good vibes for the community every week. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how they have the time to do what they do. Yeah. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, who am I following online? This week, a uh, big shout out to Jason Pooley. So that's at Jason Pooley, um, J-A-S-O-N-P-O-L-E-Y on Twitter. He's an animator, illustrator, pixel wizard, and shutterbug. And I just think, um, yeah, really, really enjoy following people who are also following me, such as yourself, Paul. And Jason's another person just like that who's uh, passionate and doing some cool stuff. So thanks, Jason. That link and all the other links of the content that we've been talking about today will be in the show notes. And most podcatchers, they'll be available in the actual app that you're listening to. So swipe right and you'll be able to see those links in there and jump straight to them. And with that, where can the listeners follow you online, Paul? I think the easiest place is just on Twitter. Uh, send three Paul, S E N three Paul. Um, I usually post about any graphic stuff or a lot of my film stuff on there as well. Awesome. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Blair Walker, and the Pro Video Podcast is available on Facebook, Twitter, and Slack. So check out the Slack group. And please share this episode if you've enjoyed it and um, share it on your social networks, please. It, it means that there's more community for us to enjoy. Absolutely. Get it out. Get it out. Get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Paul, for coming on the show. It's been such a well, pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been, it's been awesome talking with you. I love diving into all the different areas that we can work in. I think exposing the possibilities to everybody else out there it's it's something mm -hmm. i feel lucky about yeah absolutely yeah and and a big part of this doing this podcast for me was to learn about what roles are and opportunities out there not that i'm worried about my job but that i'm <laughs> truly interested and so seeing how much content I'd, i hadn't thought about the wrestling um entertainment side of it but exploring that this week um there's just so much content that you guys are producing yeah. every week Yes, yeah, so much, so, so much. Again, thank you so much, Paul, and thank you guys and girls for listening. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Awesome. We'll catch you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.